right, as y'all are finding your seats, are you glad to be here tonight? Man, Forever Free kicking us off. Let's hear it for Forever Free. Keep it going. Awesome, awesome. Well, my name is Mark, and I come repping the Siena campus tonight. All right, all right. Glad to be here. Uh, anyone else? This is my first rush week. Whose first rush week is this? Oh, man, my people. All right. We good. All right. So uh, who's been here before two years? Two years. Who's been here three years? Who's like a veteran? You've been here every time you could. Ooh, all right, bringing that energy. All right, all right, keep that energy going. Well, my name is Mark. Um, I am married to a beautiful lady named Christy in the audience somewhere. We are going to be selling, <laughs> selling, celebrating 13 years of marriage next week. We're excited about that. We've got three boys. We're a baseball family. We're a Fortnite family, we're a Nerf gun family, we're a, all of the boys stuff, the Legos, all that. Love our family. And I am so excited to be with you this week. We are doing uh, a theme called Steps. Let me tell you a little bit about what Steps is all about. Uh, we are going to be studying the life of Peter. And if you know anything about the life of Peter, he kind of reminds us of ourselves. Here's how. We know that Peter had some ups and he had some downs. We know that in a lot of ways, uh, he, he gets a bad rap. He gets a lot of sermon illustrations for what it's like to mess up. Uh, but the truth is that in the life of Peter, he got to see some really great things. He got to see some really great miracles. He got to partake in some of the, the craziest kingdom stuff uh, that we read about recorded in the scriptures. But we know for us, okay, so that was 2,000 years ago, we know that our life isn't always on this kind of up and to the right. So if you become a Christian, you know that your life doesn't just become easier and you know that the problems don't stop. In some ways, maybe they get a little more complex. As you grow older, you know that your problems kind of stack on top of each other and things get a little more difficult. And you know what it's like to have some, uh, some moments in your faith journey where you, you, you see it go this way and then some moments you make some mistakes and you can see it go this way. We want to talk about that this week. We want to go ahead and address the fact that we know none of us are perfect. Uh, so if you are an imperfect person, uh, you are welcome in this place because this is our people, right? We are, we are not perfect people. We, we know that. We know that Jesus is king. We know that he loves us. And we know that uh, he's got a plan for us. And in the midst of our lives, the inner workings, we know that uh, it's sometimes difficult to keep on the right path. Well, we want to look at the life of Peter this week and look at some keys about what was going on in his life. So maybe that might be able to give us some excitement about where we're headed. And tonight, we're going to talk about how Peter steps forward. We're going to talk about how Peter steps forward. Here's what I know about being a teenager, because it's been a while. I'm 36 years old, guys. I'm old, old. I, 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 I don't do the same things that y'all do. I'm pretty much not um, going to do social media. People say, follow us on Instagram. I'm not going to like your photos. I'm a really boring, I'm going to post pictures of my kids, right? It's not, it's not, I'm old, old. But what I remember about being a teenager is that it was tough. And I, I, I've, I've been around this earth for 36 years, and it seems like every generation that comes along, we keep saying to the teenagers, 
it's harder to be a teenager right now than it ever has been before. And there's some things that we're learning about your generation, not because of something you did, but maybe because of the time that you were born, that your generation has some kind of unique qualities. How many of you were born after September 11th? After September 11th. And the adults in the room just went, whoa. Whoa. Um, how many of you <laughs> know what it was like before the internet? And the adults in the room were like, yep, right? AOL was amazing and super slow. We didn't know it was slow, right? Things are, things are way different for your generation. But we also know that because we've kind of handed this stuff off to you, what's interesting is that you've grown up with the Internet. You've grown up with the, the world at your fingertips. And that has come with some consequences, maybe both positive and both negative. We're learning a lot about your generation. Um, I, there's a lot of love about your generation, but there's one thing that I, I just is a bone to pick. I got a, pro, I got a problem, and I just got to bring this up real quick. Y'all are the generation that let Lil Nas X rise to the number one spot in the music charts. And I got a problem with that, okay? I got a, I'm just going to be the old white man in the room and be like, what in the world, guys? Can we do better than Old Town Road? My goodness. But what's interesting, wait for it, wait for it. What's interesting is that I kind of feel like maybe we had something to do with that. Because as I look back, I was thinking about some of the music choices that, that I've seen throughout my years. I've seen that we've kind of stair-stepped uh, from, from certain levels. In, in, in 2010, there was a song that came out that kind of just changed everything. And maybe you'll hear this and, and, and remember it. Now, my generation would have kicked your tail for that song. Goodness gracious, and your boys, my goodness. And I have to feel maybe a sense of responsibility for our generation handing that off to you. But even before that, there was a song that changed the game. Again, in 1999, there was a song that came out. We were afraid of Y2K. There was a lot going on, right? We thought the, the lights were going to shut off. It was going to trigger the zombie apocalypse, and we just didn't know what was going to go on. But this song came on the radio waves to just calm us a little bit. Can we hear it? Yeah. You are. My fire, the one. Look at you guys. Desire, believe. When I say I want it, that all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why 
Boy. All right, give yourselves a hand. All right, give yourselves a hand. Okay, okay, okay. You guys have been educated on terrible boys band, boy band music. That's great. Congrats, pat on the back. I love it. But I'm going to tell you something. The 90s were by far the best decade of music ever. There's no argument. There's no argument. Things were different back then. There was a song, there was a song that helped me tap into something. One day I would become a husband who wanted to romance and sweet talk to my wife. And this song and this band really helped me. Can we go ahead and uh, hit it? 1992, this song came out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, come on. What you know about some boys to men? This is gonna be a test. Do y'all know the words of this one? Oh wow, I found your breaking point. Come on people, give it to me, let's hear it. You got Backstreet Boys and not Boys to Men. This is what is wrong with your generation. How could you love me and me and never All right, all right. See, what y'all's generation doesn't know is what it's like to go to the roller skating rink and that song comes on and you couple skate with the girl that you like. What you know about that? What y'all's generation doesn't know is that before we had things like iPhones, I had to walk up to a girl face to face. So nervous. How many of y'all, just be honest with me, you have asked a girl out or, or a guy, whatever, you've asked somebody out or you've broken up with someone over a cell phone. I see you and we are judging you so hard. But respect to all of y'all who have not done that. Come on. We could do better than that. So here's, here's, here's where we are. Here's where we are. As I've grown up, things have changed. Things have gotten a lot different. And, and as I have watched generations come, I've talked with y'all and I've listened to kind of your stories and what you're going through and, and, and what is causing you pain and what's bringing you joy in this generation, the studies and the stats are showing that y'all are some of the loneliest teenagers to ever exist in the world. That's your generation. Do you know what else? Y'all are excited about that, aren't you? You're like, yeah, bring on the... Seclusion, the isolation. Okay, listen. I ser seriously, seriously, here's, here's what's going on. 
I think one of the things that has happened with y'all, and, 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 and we've handed you the world at your fingertips, and, and what we're learning is, is that you've got a, uh, you've got, you're a lonely generation. This is the, this is the generation with the, the spike in anxiety and comparison. Anyone feel what it's like to compare yourself to the people around you day in and day out? Yeah, you feel that. You feel that. And one of the things that I want to do is I want to help us realize that there's a moment where if you've encountered Jesus and you've known what it's like to kind of go this way or that way, just like what we said about Peter, there's something that I want to help you understand about how maybe Peter's life can help us. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 tonight. That's where we're going to be, Matthew chapter 16. So grab your Bibles, open them up. There's a moment where Peter had to decide what he was going to do, where he was going to place his identity. Things were very different from him than they were for you or for me. But he had a moment, just like you have a moment. There's some things that generations uh, change and, and, and differ, but the truth is there's some things that never change. And we're going to look at a truth that was just as true 2,000 years ago as it is right now. In Matthew chapter 16, we see uh, Jesus, and he's encountering all sorts of people. We're, we're going to zero in on a, a specific passage, but I want to kind of give you some context for where we're headed. Peter and the rest of the disciples have been recruited by Jesus early, early on in the book of Matthew and, and, and you know, all the other gospels, obviously. But early on in Matthew chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but there's this moment where Jesus comes and he, he, he invites Peter and then he's going to invite the others to follow him. And what we see in the Gospel of Matthew is that it says immediately he dropped his nets and followed. And I think we know maybe if you've grown up in church or maybe, maybe you've come to Rush Week before, uh, you know what it's like to, 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 to make a decision personally to follow Jesus. Or, or you've seen people talk about that and stuff like that. But the truth is there's this moment where you follow Jesus. But what we know is that Peter was just as likely to bail on Jesus later because all we knew in that moment was that he said yes to following Jesus. But isn't it true that a lot of people say yes to following Jesus and then there's kind of a, an off, off path and, and, and then you find them kind of changing their decision down the road. We didn't know what Peter was going to do. So 16 chapters into the book of Matthew, we see this moment where Jesus is encountering a couple different groups of people. We see him encountering uh, people who are demanding signs. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are demanding signs because they're so interested to see these things, these miracles. And what we know is that if they would have seen these miracles, nothing would have changed. So he, he didn't do them. He's like, you're demanding signs, but, but this is not what I want you to be after. I want you to be after following me like these disciples are. But even, but even then, a couple verses later, he's talking to his disciples, and his disciples are like, hey, we don't have enough bread. And Jesus is like, why do you keep missing the, the point that, 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 that I am here to, to multiply the bread? We've been through this. And so he's dealing with different people, and he's going to come to this one moment in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, if you'll look with me there. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? It's interesting. If you, look, if you were to look in some of the other versions, one of the things that says, who does the crowd say 
the Son of Man is. And that, for me, kind of uh, stuck, stuck something out. I, I was interested to see this because when you see what the crowd is handing you, and this is what I, what I feel for your generation because what, what my generation and generations before mine have handed you guys is, is a world where everything goes. And you know this, because the biblical truth, you know, what, what we have in the Bible that Jesus would say this is true is not popular in our culture today. So what our culture has handed you, I'm not talking about the church, I'm just talking about America in 2019. What we've handed you is this, you can have it however you want. You can pick whatever you want, and if you want to follow Jesus, or if you want to do this or that, then it'll all end up in the same place. And what we know is that Jesus has a completely different and a radical message to offer us that is not, hey, have it wherever you want. So there's a moment where he's going to say, who do people say the Son of Man is? And in Luke's version, it's going to say, who do the crowds say that I am? And in that moment, the disciples started answering. We see in verse 14, it said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah and one of the prophets. He said to them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replies. This is one of the bright, shining moments in Peter's life. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In that moment, Peter responds with not only the correct answer, and by the way, not the correct answer as I define it or, or as any human on earth defines it, but as Jesus defines it, he comes as the Son of Man, the Son of God, who's perfectly uh, you know, human and, and, and God and, and is sinless and he's going to die and he's going to rise again. A guy named Peter who would not get it right all the time got it right in this moment. And the confession that comes out of his mouth is, I totally recognize that you're the son of God, you're the Messiah, you are the, there's, there's one. And that's not a popular message in any generation, maybe more than others, yours. It's not a popular message in your generation. But this was the moment that Peter responded to this. We know that we see people make a decision to follow Jesus, but maybe they fall away. And maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe at a, a rush week, maybe at a Sunday morning back home, maybe at another church. Who knows what your journey, there's a lot of people in here with a lot of different faith journeys, but, but we know that there are people that have made the decision to follow Jesus and that have fallen away. So when we see Peter continually following Jesus, not perfectly, Right? No one is expecting you to be perfect. We're, sin, we're sinful, we're, we're flawed, We've, we're not perfect, but we know that God kind of brings that perfection to us by his death on the cross. And when Peter recognizes that, we see him continue to make this confession. This confession means something. Here's what, here's what Jesus is going to say. These next two verses are so important. Verse 17, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Or your friends, your family, no one told you, no one convinced you, you didn't read a book, and you said, oh, I'm going to mentally and intellectually assent to this idea that you're God, that God himself miraculously give with the, the, this faith just given right in Peter's chest says, you're the son of God, this is something that God has given you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In this moment, we see Peter confessing 
And Jesus is going to say, hey, this confession that you just made, I'm going to use this as some building blocks for the church. We're going to charge the gates of hell, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Because this confession that you just made, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he's the King of kings, that he is high and lifted up, that he's Lord of lords, this is something that I can build my church on. And today, you have the opportunity to answer that question as well. I, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, and, uh, and, and anyone know Paul Sanders in the room? Paul Sanders. Where is Paul? Is Paul in here right now? He's in the back right there. I was talking with Paul Sanders, and uh, I said, man, tell me your story. What's, how long have you been doing this? And he said, and I quote, I started teaching at Hub in 1974. And I went, whoa, I am standing in the presence of greatness. This is a man who had maybe made a confession long ago. And I was so honored <laughs> that someone would stick with it. 45 years, that's the picture of someone who not only confessed Jesus down the road, but said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to live this thing out. Anyone, this is going to hurt, anyone can confess something verbally and not mean it with their hearts. And what we want to bring to you as a question tonight is who do you say the Son of Man is? He's going to say on this confession, on this rock, I will build my church. Do you think that Jesus knew where Peter's heart was at in that moment. Of course, he was Jesus, right? So anyone can make this confession, but what Jesus knew in that moment was that this meant something, and he decided to, to be able to give Peter the opportunity to go and do greater things. And the same question is going to be posed to you as well. Were these just words, or was Peter's heart and soul fully devoted to Jesus? He's going to build his church among those whose heart, whose heart is fully devoted. There's, there's this portion of scripture where it says, your, your words speak of me, but your heart is, is far from me. That's the question that I want. First night, first worship service of Rush Week, we're going we're gonna to just pose this. Where is your heart at right now? What have you been dealing with this year? What have you been wrestling with? And what I want to ask you is when, when we learn about all the great things that Jesus does, does to purchase our salvation, what's your response to that? Because at the end of the day, what we have is nothing but our relationship with him and what we did with him. Your generation is tripping up on this conversation about what the crowds say about Jesus. And if we had just a moment just to think, and I... And I'm begging you to consider in your heart if Jesus is Lord or if he's just an option on your buffet. Jesus will not be an option. Because we don't get to decide who Jesus is. We don't get to, it's not a multiple choice. Jesus is the Son of God with or without our approval. It's as if you were on the beach today and one of those grains of sand looks at you and says, no, you're a frog, you're a fish, you're something else. 
If one of the grains of sand was to look at you and say something that obviously is not true because you have a creator and your creator has given you a purpose and we sometimes look back at our, back at our creator and we say, no, I've got this on my own. Peter didn't make that decision. Now, he wasn't perfect. But Peter in this moment says, you're the son of God. You're the Christ. And on this confession, Jesus can build his church. I want to just challenge you tonight. I don't know where your heart is. But I want to say your confession, your confession matters. What your words say matter. But even more than that, what we know is that Jesus would say in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, is that out of the mouth, the heart speaks. We know that sometimes we know how to kind of cleverly mask our words to cover up the dirtiness that's going on. And what I want to tell you this, this evening is that Jesus never asks you to clean it up or to edit it or, or anything. He asks you to leave it at the feet of the cross and that he... Shedding his blood, purchased that. Romans 5, 8 would say, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And what we don't need to do is to create some sort of facade. So on this first worship service, I just want to give you the freedom tonight just to kind of put that stuff down, put the excuses aside. I want you to start identifying the lies that you've been believing about yourself that Jesus never said about you. I want you to start looking at the patterns of your life. I want you to start looking at the things that, in ways that, like we said, we're prone to do. Sometimes we take our focus off of Jesus and we tend to step, we tend to step away. If you would say that Jesus is the Son of God, here's what I want to say to you, that your right confession of Jesus is essential to your salvation, but that confession ought to cause you to not just let it be words, but for that DNA inside of you, that kingdom DNA to bleed out into your hands and feet and to impact your life so that you're a living sacrifice for God and not just someone who's, I'm a Christian, I go to church on Sunday, and I'm going to kind of choose what I want to do throughout the week. On my own. I'm going to, I understand that Jesus says this in the Bible, but I'm going to kind of do this because I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of hold on to this. I'm going to white knuckle this portion of my life. Jesus can't have this. And what I want to say is, is Jesus is not um, some, you know, oh, just take it however you want it. He's the king of kings and he, don't get it twisted. Salvation that he purchased for us is a free gift for you. Do you understand that? That he would willingly climb up on a cross so that he could bridge the gap that sin has caused us to be spiritually dead. He would bridge the gap and bring a relationship to Jesus back in grasp. But not because we did anything special. Not because we gave or we served or we attended Rush Week or anything like that. But because of the goodness of Jesus, you today can have salvation. But don't get it twisted. It cost Jesus everything. And he's not asking you to sign up for a club. He's asking you to give your life away. So that's what I want to ask you today. Are you willing to give your life away? Are you willing to surrender? Because we know that Peter didn't get it right every time. And I know that you're not going to get it right every time. But we want to give you that opportunity. 
So the time has come to an answer this question. Who do you say the Son of Man is? If you could just close your eyes. You can close your Bibles. I, I, I want this to be a moment where we can just get right in to where God wants us. We're not going to wait till the last night of, of rush week. We're not going to wait until we get some sort of, some sort of tough. We're going to right now, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you with eyes closed. I want you to answer this question. Who do you say the son of man is? What does it mean to you that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, would purchase your salvation through shedding his blood on the cross. In just a few moments, it's the first, we're going to start Rush Week off. We're just going to go ahead and go all the way in. I'm going to, we're going to turn this front space not into a, a pit, but we're going to turn it into an altar, Okay. And in just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to invite you to do something bold. Um, we're all coming from different places. We're all coming from different steps that got us here. Some of you had had an incredibly difficult year. Some of you have blamed God for the stuff that Satan has caused in your life. Some of you are going through family issues. You're going through issues in your friend. Maybe right now, you're in crisis. And this is an escape. I want to ask you just to allow the Holy Spirit just to let you drop that stuff. And focus on the King of Kings. who's given everything for us. In just a few moments, if you are wrestling with addiction we want you to come and just lay it down at the foot of the cross you might grab a couple friends in just a moment and just come pray maybe you're dealing with that anxiety maybe you're dealing with a comparison that we talked about earlier and what the Lord says to you is Lay it down. I love you more than you know. I created you. Before you were born in the womb, I, I knit you. Before the foundations of the world, I created steps for you to walk in. For those of us that are dealing with self-image issues and we, we just can't seem to find a way to believe that, that we are valuable, the blood of Jesus says you are more valuable than you could ever comprehend. Wherever you are, I'm inviting you to stand in this moment. Go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand up to your feet. Go ahead and stand up to your feet. I don't know where you are, but I want to give you the opportunity to kick Rush Week off the right way. Some of you you came here and you're excited to worship, you're excited to serve. Maybe you just need to grab a couple friends and pray, pray over the week. Pray over a friend. 
Maybe you're the student that needs to ask for forgiveness of someone, maybe even in the room. And you need to go to that person right now. And maybe you have never called out to Jesus for salvation. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Jesus loves you so much. He purchased your salvation with his very own blood. Our Heavenly Father who, who sent his Son loves you so much. So as the band plays, I want to invite you, if you have something that you need to lay down, just come take a space right here and right now. It's your time to come. Maybe you need to grab someone. Maybe you just need to come and lay stuff down at the foot of the cross. This is your time. We're not going to rush this. This is your time.